0: Hello, my name is Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church and today I want to talk about overcoming the spirit of sloth. The Bible talks about sloth as a mental attitude sin that can really spoil our life and it will help to really understand what it is. It's not simple laziness, which is the disposition not to exert oneself too much, although of course laziness can be a major contributing factor. Uh, and cause of slothfulness, but generally a person may not be a lazy person. Uh, he may work hard, uh, where, certainly in areas of his life where he's motivated, but he can be slothful in other areas of his life. Maybe that he doesn't enjoy so much or he doesn't feel as capable at. And This sloth, slothfulness can really hurt him. In fact his busyness in doing what he likes to do can be an excuse for not doing what he doesn't like to do so much. And so he's slothful in that. As a result, the parts of his life that receive little of his diligent attention, whether it's relationships, or finances, family, work, health, those areas where he's uh, slothful fall into chaos, fall into disorder. Proverbs gives a picture of your life where the spirit of sloth rules. He says, I went by the field of the slothful. That's the King James. Other translations talk about the sluggard. Same idea. And by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and there it was all overgrown with thorns, its surface covered with nettles, its stone wall was broken down. It's interesting that the translators relate this bad attitude to an animal. Certain animals, the sloth and the slug. And what do they have in common is their slowness. The Hebrew word of, uh, that's behind this actually means to be slow, to hesitate, to delay. And these animals illustrate that. The sloth sleeps 15 to 20 hours a day. Their life revolves around sleeping and eating in their tree homes. They don't like to search or hunt for food, so they depend on the tough leaves in their tree, which are difficult to digest. But the sloths have a four-part stomach that slowly digests these leaves with bacteria. It can take up to a month for a sloth to digest one meal. Their leafy diet isn't very nutritious, though, so they don't get much energy from it. So their lifestyle is designed to spend as little energy as possible. That's why they move so slowly. They are the world's slowest mammal. They're so slow, in fact, that algae grow on, on, on their fur. The coat of a sloth is basically a mini jungle. Not just algae but several resident insect species including uh, moths. Curved claws and their strong grip allow them to hook onto a branch and hang there like a living hammock. It's an efficient design that means they only need half of the muscle of regular mammals, again reducing their energy output. Their metabolism is half that expected of mammals a similar size, and their body temperature is a few degrees lower than other mammals. They rarely come down from the trees except once a week to go to the bathroom. And God chooses this animal to be an illustration of what we can be like if we're not careful. What does it illustrate to us in its essential nature? How do we know when we're being slothful? The key idea is slowness. It's when we know what to do, but we hesitate. We fail to do it quickly. We're slow to do what we know we should do. The opposite attitude to sloth is diligence. And uh, that's what we need to cultivate. And I'll be emphasizing diligence next, on the next program. When we know what to do, we should do it quickly. Quick to obey when God tells us to do something. Sloth is delayed obedience. It's being slow to act. So instead of obeying, we find other things to do that perhaps are easier, pleasanter. We find reasons and excuses not to do it yet. We put it off because something in our flesh doesn't want to do that thing. We prefer to do something easier, more exciting, more emotionally rewarding. James says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. So sloth is sin. For example, if we take the example of keeping your house tidy, uh, not, pe- not many people enjoy tidying up, and so we're tempted to put it off for another time. The problem is, the longer we put it off, the bigger the mess becomes, and the harder it becomes to put right. So we keep putting it off until it- we're in such a mess that we're forced to do something to sort it out. And then it's a big job. It takes a big effort, a lot of time. We actually end up spending more time sorting out the mess than if we were just diligent every day doing a bit to keep it in order. We will have also had the added burden and guilt and mental stress of living in a mess and of knowing we are avoiding doing anything about it. This is one example of how sloth can work in different areas of our life and spoil our life and depress us make us feel a failure. You know, if we don't take charge of our life and replace sloth with diligence, we are bound into that. And so the first step that I want to help you with today is so you can recognize sloth for what it is. It's being slow and delaying doing what you know you should do. Meditating on this has really helped me by the way, to, to be quick to obey and it just takes a big burden off many things. Ask yourself, is there something you keep putting off in your life to another day? But that day never comes. And what originally seemed like a a small and easy thing to do, now it's a big thing, it's a big burden that you keep avoiding. You know you have to do it, but you keep putting it off. My advice to you is to realize that you are being a sloth. Just put your excuses aside and just do it. In fact, that's a bit of a motto. Make that your motto. Just do it. Don't check your feelings to see if you feel like doing it. Just do it. Don't wait for the right feeling to come over you. Just do it. You know, actually, the good feeling will will come to you when you start doing it. James 1 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then verse 25 says, describes how to be a diligent doer of the word. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does, or he will be blessed in his doing. That is, he will be blessed, he'll feel good as he does it. So first, this says, we must be diligent to know what to do. And then we mustn't forget to do it. But do it, just do it. And then, as we do it, we'll get that release of life and that good feeling as a result. You know, when I started thinking about sloth, I had a, an old computer that was becoming slower and slower. And I would give a command and I would wait half, half a minute while it gradually fulfilled the request. It was so frustrating. And it was because, and then I realized that's how it must feel like to God when we're slothful. He gives us something to do, he tells us something to do, and oh, it takes forever for us to get around to actually do it. And it must be very frustrating. We must get this slothfulness out of our lives if we're to be a faithful servant of God and do his will. Jesus actually describes a faithless servant in Matthew 25, the one who didn't receive any reward at all, as being a slothful servant. The Lord, His Lord said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. So we don't want to be that. In other words, he just knew what he should do, but he just didn't get around to do it. He had all kinds of excuses why he didn't need to do it. We must get sloth out of our lives if we want to possess our promised land. In Judges 18, the... The Danite uh, spies, they were searching for a, a good piece of land, it's, they say, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And are you still? Be not slothful to go, or do not hesitate to go, and enter and possess the land. So to possess our land, we see what God has for us. The key is we are not to be slothful, we are not to delay. Once we can see what we should do, We should do it, or we will lose the moment. When we went back from Bible school in the States, we felt the Lord say to us, the moment you arrive back the first Sunday, start the church. God had put it in our heart to start Oxford Bible Church. And we had the sense that if we just let it go for weeks and months, we would never actually go around to it, because things would happen, things would draw us. We had to do it immediately or we would lose that moment. And I'm so glad we did that. That was diligence. The reason why the Israelites failed to possess their land was that they hesitated. They were at the border. They were about to enter in. God told them, go in. But they hesitated. They had reasons. There's always reasons. There's always excuses. The giants, the the walled cities. And so there are these excuses. And as a result, they hesitated. They delayed. And even though God said, I'll go, I'll go with you. I'll help you overcome all those things. And when God tells you to do something, by the way, then it's, it, God will go with you. It may seem difficult. It may seem a challenge. But reckon on the fact God will go with you. And, and as you do it, so the way will open up before you. Just do it. But they hesitated back in unbelief. And as a result, they lived their whole life in a barren wilderness. You know, if you have something you you do that seems hard, don't delay. Press in and do it, and then God will go with you. His life will be released through you and give you success. He will only release his power and blessing when you move forward to take possession of that task. Hebrews says, Be not slothful, but be followers of those who faith and patience possess the promises, inherit the promises, inherit the land. So to overcome sloth, two things are needed. Number one, faith. In other words, you must know it's God's will. And you must know that God will help you as you endeavor to do it. And secondly, patience. That means you apply yourself to the task in front of you. You continue with it diligently until you've possessed it, until you've mastered it, until you've done it. Why are we so slow to act sometimes? Number one, perhaps we're lazy. We don't like to extend our expend our energy, like Mr. Super Sloth, I call him, in, in Proverbs 26.15. Look, I'm sure you're not as bad as this. The slothful man hides his hand in his bowl. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. So here's, he's, he's eating his porridge, and he's fine for the first bit, because he the spoon is going downhill, so he's got gravity on his side, it's, a, it's the easy bit, and now he gets the spoon into the bowl, but now, oh dear, he's gonna have to bring it back to his mouth against gravity. This is gonna need a bit of effort. So he doesn't finish what he starts. He, does, he starts a job, he doesn't finish. He does the easy part of the job, but to finish it off, that's gonna need too much effort, so his life is full of unfinished tasks. Because He's okay with the easy, exciting bit, the bit that's downhill, but as soon as it gets harder, he delays, he finds excuses, he waits till he feels like doing it, and that never happens, so he never finishes what he starts. And so his life is stuck, it never develops and unfolds as it ought to. He probably will blame others for his failure, but the real problem is his own failure to finish what he started, to do what needs to be done, to see anything through to the point that it really works properly. He's full of dreams and ideas, but short on action, quick to make excuses. Proverbs says, the slothful man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Notice diligence is the opposite of sloth here. So if you have diligence, you you have something very valuable. Notice this man enjoys hunting, no problem here. Doing stuff he enjoys doing, that's not the problem. He enjoys hunting. It's exciting, isn't it? But cooking's not his thing. He doesn't feel like it. And so his earlier efforts go to waste. He catches it, but then he can't be bothered to cook it. So it's all wasted. He never finishes what he starts. The classic example of this is Esau, by the way. He went hunting, didn't he? But he didn't want to cook it. He couldn't be bothered. He didn't enjoy that part. And so he sold his birthright to Jacob for a portion of his lentil stew. (laughs) his sloth cost him dear. Proverbs says, as vinegar is to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard, the sloth to those who send him. Because this sloth is easily distracted, he often fails to complete the task. He's unreliable and he's irritating to others because you can never depend on him. We don't want to be that. And so he's never promoted to a position of greater trust and authority. Because diligence is necessary for anyone who wants to rule and to have authority. Because the diligent take responsibility and they finish what they start. They make a plan to do it and then they execute the plan. Proverbs says, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be put to forced labor. See, the sloth is passive. He never takes initiative. He only does what he's forced to do. He needs someone to constantly stand over him and make sure he does it and push him. And so he can't be trusted to take charge. Proverbs says, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great waster. He's a waster because he wastes so much time thinking about doing something. uh, But he never does it because he never quite feels like it. The desire of the slothful, that is to avoid hard jobs... Kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. So sloth kills and destroys the quality of your life. Your goals stay unrealized. Your dreams stay unfulfilled because of your sloth. The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. I like this one. Proverbs says, As the door turns on his hinges, so does the slothful on his bed. In other words, a sloth's life is compared to his sleep turning one way and then the other. He's sleepwalking through life. He never takes decisive action. It's like a door turning on its hinges. The sloth makes no forward progress in his life. He's bouncing to and fro with his feelings. The sloth finds that making any kind of progress is difficult because the result of sloth is disorder in the different parts of his life. They're like thorns in his path. Uh, rather than having a smooth path to walk on, the chaos in his life means there's thorns everywhere, and so, so to get anywhere is difficult. Because to to make progress, he's got to first deal with those thorns that have built up, and uh, and so he makes slow progress. That's why Proverbs 15 says, "The way of a slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain." You see, we, we make progress as we remove sloth from our life. As we de- develop diligence, actually, our life will become easier, not harder. Because when we don't act quickly to do what we know to do, things actually get in, in the gap between when we know what to do and actually doing it. If we, the longer that gap is, things will happen in that gap to distract us and to make doing that thing harder and harder. The longer we delay, the harder it will be. The best time to do something is as soon after, as soon as possible after, you can see what to do. That's when we're thinking most clearly. That's when we see it most clearly. When we allow a gap between knowing what to do and doing it, Satan can get in with distractions, temptations, causes us to forget it, and eventually our inaction starts causes problems, thorns failure and it becomes an urgent thing that we then have to deal with but now it's a much bigger thing to deal with than it would have been earlier the job gets harder in our own mind and we have to deal with feelings of failure and discouragement as the backlog of jobs needing to be done increases the burden grows if we do half a job and leave it for an indefinite time because we don't enjoy it we'll end up having to spend much more effort and time on it in the end because in this time gap not only do we feel the burden of this unfinished task, but also the disorder increases, like your room getting more and more untidy. And, and then it will need more effort to put it right. <laughs> ah, depressing. And, uh, but how, how I know this is true. You know, if it's a complex task, if we don't stay on top of it, we lose track and we forget what's done and what needs to be done, and then we get out of the zone of that task, and then it takes a lot more effort to get back into the zone um, and time. And so the, the diligent who just steadily sees the task through until it's done actually ends up having an easier life. Another reason why we uh, have sloth in our life is that we're too flesh ruled, we're too emotionally led we're, we're controlled by whether we feel like doing it or not. Do I feel energized to do it? And then we make excuses. Uh, why? Well, can't, I won't do it now, I'll do it another time. It says in Proverbs, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. The problem is, you see, if, we, if it's something we don't like to do, or we don't feel like we're good at it, we will never feel like doing it. And it never gets done. You see, a sloth is weak because he has a passive will. He's subject to his feelings. Uh, rather than the moral imperative that it's, I must do it. It doesn't matter if I feel like it or not. You know that we do something because it's the right thing to do. Whether we feel like it or not is irrelevant. Proverbs. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and the idle soul shall suffer hun- Hunger. See, sloth makes us weak and passive, sleepy. It makes us unaware of our weak condition. We're blind to the fact that we're heading towards failure and lack as a result. We must wake up and eliminate sloth from our life. Recover our will from this bondage, this emotional bondage, so that our will, not that our emotions reign, but our will reigns. And our will exercises control over our mind and our emotions. Take charge of your life. Sloth, you see, is is the habit of always avoiding the harder things and doing more pleasurable things in the place of the less pleasurable things. Thus putting off vital impending tasks to a later time. This is also called procrastination, isn't it? And it leads to feelings of guilt and depression. Sometimes procrastination takes place until... We're in a deadline and it's the last minute for a deadline and then suddenly we, we're in a panic to sort it. You know, we excuse ourselves. We say, well, this isn't my gift. It, this isn't what I'm good at. So it's not my responsibility. And there's a good saying that's really helped me here. You've probably heard the saying, you know, he's the jack of all trades and master of none. But actually that saying is a corruption of the original saying, which is every gentleman should be a jack of all trades and a master of one. In other words, there is, yes, only one thing probably that we will excel at, that we'll be known for, that we really devote ourselves to. But that doesn't excuse us from also being a jack-of-all-trades. In other words, we have to make an effort how to learn how to do many different things. We can't just neglect everything else apart from our speciality uh, just because we don't enjoy them, we're not particularly great at them. We need to be a jack-of-all-trade. We've got to eliminate these kind of excuses, you see. Some, and I know very much what this is, have the paralysis of analysis. Yet they know what to do, but before they take any action at all, they must understand everything perfectly and see the whole picture. As a result, they tend to overthink things. They try and predict everything that will happen as a result of their actions, and they spend all this time thinking and not doing what they know to do. The problem is that it's often not until you take the first step in a, in a situation that you can see what to do next. It's like someone who won't climb a hill until they know what's on the other side, but you can never know until you actually climb it. When you act, you see, you change your reality, and you then discover what the new reality is, and then you can take the next step. The overthinker doesn't want to lose control. He doesn't want to risk change that he can't control by taking action. Until he can see it all, you see, and so he gets trapped in his thoughts and never acts. Sloths continually put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. They're good at making excuses. It says, uh, Proverbs, the slothful man says, There's a lion outside, I'll be slain in the streets. <laughs> Some are slothful, you see, through fear of difficulty and failure. Something might go wrong, if, but if I don't try... You know, they're saying, if I don't try, then I'll avoid failure. But actually, the biggest failure is not to try at all. It's by trying, it's by taking the risk that we actually learn what works, what doesn't. We, we, We grow, we get better through failure. You know, when Peter walked on the water, even though he failed... And he began to sink. He did walk on the water a bit. He's actually more of a success than the others who who were, as it were, slothful. They didn't want to take the risk. They didn't take the action. They they couldn't quite didn't quite fit with their theology, and so they they waited. And actually, Peter was more successful than the others. We can't be sure of the result of an action often. Certainty is impossible. Um, you know, and, and sometimes when you do the right thing things will actually get harder and worse for a time. But all that matters is that we obey God. We do what needs to be done, and we trust God for the results. If we live this way, we will be stronger, we'll be freer, we'll have more integrity. Rather than worrying about, oh, I'm not going to do anything yet because I don't understand it all. The alternative is to live a fear-based life. Fear of failure, fear of loss of control you know if we wait till we're convinced that nothing can go wrong we will never act and will stay shut up in a small boring world our comfort zone of inaction and will never grow so sloths are always waiting for perfect conditions before they do anything and this is ecclesiastes 11 he who observes the wind will not sow he who regards the clouds will not reap He has to sow some seed if he wants a harvest. If he wants results in his life, he's got to do something. He's got to do what's appropriate. And so this person, he goes to do some sowing, but he feels a little breeze of wind, and so it says, oh, he comes up with the excuse, oh, there might be a storm. I better not sow today. Let me delay for another day. That's a sloth. But conditions are never perfect. The ducks are never all lined up. You can always find a reason and an excuse to do it another day rather than today if you look hard enough. So the sloth keeps putting it off. He never sows and as a result he never reaps. If you want to reap results in your life, you have to sow your love. You have to sow your seed. You have to sow your action. You have to give yourself to something. Otherwise you'll never receive a harvest. Next time we're going to develop this more and we're going to look at what it means to be diligent to have the spirit of diligence, rather than the spirit of sloth. I believe this will change your life. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you you can find uh, a way you can help us financially and we would be so grateful. Abraham prophesied that the future temple would be on Mount Moriah and God's provision of the ultimate sacrifice of the Messiah would be on Mount Moriah. And in this book we show how that prophecy was fulfilled and how we can know from that where Jesus was crucified and rose again. Mount Moriah, Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. And If you want to know more about end time prophecy, I've written a big book of 600 pages uh, on end time prophecy, the panorama of prophecy. So if you want to know more about the temple and what's going to happen in the end times, it's here for you. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox x 3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.